Welcome to The Dwellers Below, the show where a bunch of wargamers who used to know what they're talking about give you the lowdown and the hot takes about Warhammer The Old World. I'm Nick, also known as the Father of Lies, and I'm going to be your host for this episode. Uh, for those new to the show, welcome. For previous listeners, it's been four years since our last episode, so thanks for sticking, sticking with us, I guess. Um, if you did listen to the show back in the day, um, or actually, either way, do us a solid, hit us up with a little subscribe on YouTube, help us with that sweet, sweet algorithm uh, so we can take this show to the moon. Long story short, we're a bunch of Australians who started a show in 2012. It ran until the end of 8th edition, and then it fell into a dimensional cascade and vanished for a few years. We brought it back for a little comeback during Age of Sigma 2nd edition uh, with some new members and some old members. Uh, and then we ran into issues with real life, having children and a pandemic, uh, which took away all our hobby opportunities and we promptly stopped recording. Uh, we're back now. We're bigger than ever, in theory. We've uh, got eight potential uh, members of the cast or ta- talent for for the future episodes to, to choose from. Um, and we're super hyped for the old world. At least uh, I certainly am. And I know these guys with me today are. So we're going to be covering some old world and hopefully um bringing you guys some some good info and some some hot hot takes so to start off with today gonna catch up with uh all members of the old dwellers crew today uh we've got a super super senior recording team today uh no offense to anyone but um lots taken (laughs) that's it um so we're gonna just briefly see what everyone's been up to since the dimensional cascade and then we'll get straight into the hot takes uh, so I'm going to throw to the bottom left of my screen, Chris, the egg cousins. Chris, how many eggs have you eaten in the last fortnight and in what form were they? Uh, two, one poached, one scrambled. Both of them on pretentious brunches in the uh, traditional Melbourne spirit. Awesome. Can you give us a quick run? Now, you were on the Age of Sigma version of the show as well as the OG show. So uh, some of our listeners might be more up to date with you than some of our other uh, guests today. Um, do you want to just let us know, what have you been doing briefly uh, since 2019 when we ended? I, I basically went into my shell waiting for uh, Warhammer 9th edition to drop, and now it's finally here, so we can uh, we can kick back off. Uh, I also moved to Scotland, uh, which is uh, not in Australia, uh, although right. a lot of the place names are the same. You haven't picked up the accent yet. No, and I won't do. I won't try it either because I don't want us to get sued or me to get shanked. So, uh, yeah, won't be uh, won't be pulling out the Mel Gibson Braveheart impression. Beautiful. Uh, but uh, yeah, otherwise, just playing uh, playing lots of. Uh, I guess we can't really call it Warhammer Historicals anymore, but uh, Middle Earth strategy battle game, The Lord of the Rings. Uh, heading over to Belfast next, uh, in fact, tomorrow for a tournament for that. So lots of oh, hobby, nice. just uh, a long time since Warhammer. 
Yeah, I dipped my toe into a little bit of Warhammer historicals or Lord of the Rings for a little bit there. It uh, definitely tempted me, but I think it, the reason it tempted me was it was probably a step back towards Warhammer Fantasy Battle in that it was a fantasy game and it was a tabletop game because I've been off playing silly futuristic space games uh, and magic, but let's not talk about magic. I'm going to throw to Brad, looking mysterious with his red background over there. The old man, Moran. Brad, how many different game systems have you played in the last 12 months? And can you list them in reverse alphabetical order? <laughs> oh, you're trying to kill me, man. No, I cannot list how many games I've played. Um, I can... Oh, God, no. Why? Um, within arm's reach, I can touch seven games. Um, I did actually, while you were saying that, look, um, I, because I do have a um, generalist weekly gaming podcast, it's why I have this background, um, I do end up playing a lot of games. Um, the most recent of which was Cyberpunk um, Red uh, Combat Zone, which is the, we don't need to talk about it because it's not fantasy, but I have been playing a lot of rank and flank games in the form of messing around with Mike Hutchinson, the guy who did Gasland's new game, um, Hobgoblin, and I've been messing around with Oathmark. Um, I've even played some Sixth Ed, and I've been loving it, and I kept a bunch of my fantasy armies ready to go on squares, and I am ready for the old world, baby. Cannot wait. Beautiful. All right, well, then in 43 words or less, because we're on a, a bit of a time crunch, what have you been up to since 8th edition other than gaming? Where's your life at? Oh, golly. Um, we moved house five times um, due to selling, buying, and other shenanigans um, and lockdowns in Melbourne being rough. Um, we are old dogs past. We have a new puppy. Um, and my wife and I live in North Melbourne now. I have a, I teach at a new school. And, um, man, we're, we're loving life. Everything's great. Um, cast ice, I know. And I wasn't going to say it, but now I did. Um, you get one plug. You get one free plug. The rest will be you for. Um, cast ice is going really well. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm just loving playing games. I, I'm playing, yeah, I, I couldn't be happier. Life is good. Good. Great to hear. Dave O'War, a late, late entrant into this show. Um, mate, what's your best 5K split? I have no idea what you're talking about. The 5K <laughs> split. <laughs> that, was a, that was a question for Danny, and I just thought, why not? We'll just we'll use it for Dave. Sure, yeah, I have no idea what you're talking I'm assuming it's a sports thing. It's a running. It's a running around in a in a, in a large five kilometer circle thing. Which I'll, I'll let when, you know. When was the last time you ran five the first time. When was the when was the last time I ran five blocks? Is the real question. Um, <laughs> uh, good good to see you all. I'm I'm here in the uh, Avaland themed room uh, in Sheffield, <laughs> where I live at the moment, um, and I've been very gaming polyamorous of the last few years. I've played a lot of Necromunda. A lot of bit of 40k, bit of heresy, some legions imperialis in the last few weeks. Um, Warcry, Age of Sigma, whatever comes my way, and have become a decidedly old bastard with a kid, a staple job, and money in my bank account. It's all very depressing. Preach, mate. Preach. I feel you. Now, Dave, I, I do appreciate the effort that you went to for this podcast. I mean, the old world is coming back out. 
and you grew your hair out. You don't look like the Age of Sigmar, Justin Bieber situation that you had going on. It's a really nice uh, touch you did there. Yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm sort of trying to uh, ape early Sigma, uh, you know, when he was in, in his youth, um, although rapidly transitioning into his older years, sadly enough. Sigma right before his midlife crisis. That's right. Chubby Sigma. <laughs> chunky, chunky Sigma. All right. Sadly, Lucky Mulch Cakey, Smorgan, uh, Short Shorts Nick and Danny Paints couldn't make it today. Uh, the plan is certainly not to have all eight of us on at any given time because that, I mean, our podcast used to be a mess uh, and that was with five of us in one room. Uh, eight of us online, not going to be a thing. But what we're hoping to do is just have a sort of rotating panel of people that we can chop in and chop out. Um, as you may have appreciated, Dave and Chris are both uh, based in the UK. The rest of us are all in Melbourne, Australia. But as far as the geography within Melbourne is concerned, we probably cover all the cardinal points. One of us in the south, one of us in the east, uh, a couple in the north and one out in the west. So we've we've switched to doing this online. Um, I mean, the technology is a little better than our first ever episode in 2012, which was six of us sitting around an iPad on a dining table. So it's uh, it's a bit easier to do online these days. So we'll, we'll keep it separate for now. Let's get into the hot or not, guys. I'm going to throw some stuff at you about the old world. We've, we've had these Almanac articles released by Workshop, and they've been really good. Like, as far as Games Workshop hyping up a game, just drip-feeding every week some rules and some information and just tidbits, it, like, it's it's got me, it's rustled me jimmies at, like nobody's business. I was... And I've had a few of these discussions with with you guys. Like, I was super cynical about the world world, super, super cynical. I'm like, this is never going to happen. It's going to be terrible. You know, everything, you know, it, it all just seemed like it was just fluff coming from from Workshop. But they've they've hooked me, like, big time. And it's mostly through those Almanac articles that they've done it. So we're kind of going to go through the, the, the articles today. Now, we're not going to go through it article by article because that has absolutely been done. Uh, there's some really great podcasts out there doing the old world. Uh, I've been getting right into Square Based, which is uh, Rob uh, Rufio's um, podcast. And they've been going every, you know, every week they do an episode about the, the Almanac. So if you want to go through them in detail, highly recommend that. And there's a few others as well. But we're going to do a sort of higher level look at some of the the choice bits of those almanacs because there's like nine of them now so we definitely don't have time to go through them all but i'm just gonna pick you guys out one at a time i'm gonna get you guys to tell me what you think about a certain rule tell me do you think it's hot do you think it's not do you think it'll be an issue so i'm gonna start with chris i'm gonna go with the new base sizes hot or not not um, I am a big fan of the sort of densely packed look that some of the old uh, models used to have. It obviously didn't work as well for everything, but the the plan seems to be bigger models and more kind of empty space around them, which is kind of nice modeling wise. But I maybe it's just being extremely old now. Uh, but I I do like my twenty mils, and I'm not sure that my cavalry will need to be on the uh, extra big bases that we're going to get now. I'm the opposite. It's one of my favourite changes that they've made. I think it's the best. I 
looked over my old wood elves and having to number every single model and letter which rank they had to go in so that they would line up at all was an absolute nightmare. And I can't wait to be able to actually get units and put them in their ranks without having to do a uh, spreadsheet exercise. I think this is very positive. The other downside, of course, is having to rebase your 7,000 old edition armies if you have as many as uh, Mr. Moran's got going on over there. So uh, th there'll be a bit of that, but uh, luckily Games Workshop did tell us they are willing to sell us the correct base sizes uh, separately at some point. Thanks, Games Workshop. For $1 million. So nice. <laughs> uh, but actually, the, the slight tangent already, but the coolest uh, part of the sort of base-related thing for me is they're bringing back out the plastic modular kit for um, mm. movement trays, which might have been the best piece of plastic Games Workshop ever released. I strongly disagree about it. I mean, I actually liked that kit when they released it because it was like 20 bucks, but I'm pretty sure they're going to be selling it for like 70 Australian dollars or something ridiculous. And I was on Twitter today, or X today, and the the mini mag tray guys are doing these awesome little magnetic trays with these little flip-up handles that you can kind of push your models around with. And they're basically super low profile. Love them looks really good i think we're so far beyond those games workshop plastic trays that came out you know eight years ago now i think we can do better lots of good converting trays as well that will that slot your bases in so you don't have to rebase if you don't want to yep absolutely i just rebased the skaven army during lockdown i am not rebasing that army again <laughs> uh, but if we can get some conversion trays where i can just slot those 20s in i'm going to be happy Hey, maybe Lockie uh, had the right idea when he sold all his armies and now needs to just rebuy everything. I, yeah, I did the same. No. <laughs> no. All right. Uh, I'm going to throw to Dave War the strategy phase. So in before the movement phase, we now have the strategy phase. Hot or not? I think it's hot. I think it's going to kind of give more design space for the games writers to play around with. I think it gives it a, a bit more room for special rules to come in i'm 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 for it i think it's a, a, a positive change although I, I guess i'd like to see more of, of what's going to be in it so far i think we don't have as many details yet yeah absolutely it's uh i think they're bringing in a few things from age of sigma with the command abilities and that kind of stuff mm -hmm. and that's kind of where that's going to get located within the turn but uh yeah i think it definitely gives them some design space that they can explore that they maybe didn't have in in previous editions of the game. And I, th I think what would really elevate that would be having more interaction in the command phase. So it's not just yeah. one person dropping seven abilities on a unit, uh, that there'll be some interaction and responses from the opponent as well. I think that would, a bit like the old magic phase used to play out sometimes, I think that'd make it even, like super interesting and more so, or at least different to what the other games have going on at the moment. Hmm. And to touch yeah, on what I'm, Chris is saying, and I'm sure what you're about to talk about, Nick, in, a, in another question, so I'll keep this short, is that the magic phase is broken up over the course of the entire turn. So all four phases have magic in it. So you're not just having the magic mini game at the beginning of each turn. I think it's a really nice touch. I didn't, did I send you these notes? Because yes, that is about the, the next thing <laughs> I was literally about to say. Going back very briefly to the uh, strategy phase though, what yeah i like what you, the, the point you made there chris about that interactivity because i think that's a really strong point of warhammer it's 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 not a game like kings of war for example where 
in my turn, I do all my stuff, and in your turn, you do all your stuff. It's it's got that that back and forth, that interactivity that that uh, other strong games have, and, and that's a, a big attraction for me to Warhammer. Is you don't just switch off during your opponent's turn. It's it's very interactive. All right. Well, we'll skip to the magic phase then, because Brad went there already. So Brad, no specific magic phase, hot or not? So hot, so hot. I I'm curious to see how it plays out. Um, because I'm sure there's a resource management aspect to it. Um, that's always been the case of, you know, how many dice are you going to burn on a particular spell? Are you going to, and it was that game where you're trying to fake out your opponent and get them to use their dispel dice before you got the spell you really wanted off. And it will be interesting to see how that now plays out over an entire turn. Uh, but I'm really happy to see that, you know, spells that move units happen in the moving phase, and we're not just getting this extra bonus, you know, hand of Gork um, before the turn starts. Um, it actually, it feels more interactive, and like magic is now an integral part of the battlefield, if that makes sense, and the battle, not just something that happens in a mini game at the start of each turn. Yeah, no one's disagreeing. Oh wow! Uh, look, I think I think like I think it's hot, but I, it's a reserved hot. Uh, mm. I think the magic phase is like a really typical part of Warhammer. Like it's it's sixth edition, seventh edition, eighth edition. I mean, even the early editions, uh, right up until right up till when it was Battle Magic. I think in fourth edition, maybe the the magic phase has been this specific phase, and it's something we're all very used to. Um, so it's a big departure. So you know, in a sense, it's maybe a bit of a risk. I'm certainly, I'm certainly curious, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see where it lands. If we're looking for some slight disagreement, I'll, I'll offer a tiny bit, which is that if wizards are kind of uh, limited to the number of dispel attempts that they can make each turn or anything like that, and there's something else about units getting a bonus on their first charge of the game, there might just be a lot of static kind of abilities that we need to keep track of. Uh, maybe need like a lot of tokens to mark which units have or haven't done these kind of things. I'll be interested to see what the uh, what the eventual kind of spill out of that is. But I will, uh, yeah, a slight, as you say, like slight reservation about exactly how it is implemented. But no point in criticizing things we're making, you know, rules we're making up at this point. Chris, this is the internet. Criticize everything. It's all terrible. Around. It's burning down. Sell your Games Workshop stock now. We want the hot takes here, Chris. We want the hot takes. I'm only here for the tepid ones. Let's go somewhere a little bit controversial. Dave of War pre-measuring stays in the game from 8th edition. So those of us who've been playing 6th edition for a few years, we get to measure things again. I think it's great. I mean, I was a fan of them getting rid of um, no pre-measuring with 8th, and I think it is better. I mean... Playing some games at the moment that don't have pre-measuring, it does have a charm to it. But when you're used to playing war, when you play a lot of Warhammer, you pretty you get pretty good at at distances, and it just kind of becomes more of a barrier to new players without actually adding tons of depth to it. And so I think it's a a really positive thing um to be honest because let's be clear warhammer fantasy has always had a fair degree of barrier for new players getting into it rules hobby everything let's get rid of ones where we can and i think that's a good one to to trim 
Yeah, totally I mean, agree. I like it because it it empowers decisions. So it's it's not about guessing and and, and trying having to guess is that in is that out. It's you can go. I don't want it to be in. I can make sure it's not in by by checking that measurement and. The big thing for me is it, it avoids disagreements. You can check something before it becomes controversial. If you know you want to be out of someone's charge range, you measure it the turn before you say, yep, so we're clearly 17 inches away or whatever. So I want to be just outside of 17. And if your opponent's got an issue with it, you resolve it then and there in your movement phase. It doesn't become an issue a turn later in their turn when they're like, oh, you're in charge range now. Not an issue, resolves the arguments. As someone who's played Warhammer, you know, at the ETC with language barriers and, you know, the high stakes sort of more competitive nature of it, that wipes out so many issues. And, and I'm, yeah, for me, it's hot. Absolutely. All right. Mr. Egg. This is an interesting one. Ranked units need to be at least as wide as they are deep unless they're in a marching column. So if you want to rank by, as, as I understand it, if you want a rank bonus, you need to be as wider than you, as wide as you are deep. So you can't be five wide and eight deep. I, my, my initial thought is not hot, partly because it just seems like a little complicated. It used to be things like you've got to be four models or five models or 10 models. That just seems like a little bit easier rather than having to do some quadratic equations to work out if you get a rank bonus. Uh, I might be overselling the maths here. I'm not very mathy. Uh, the other thing I don't like as much, it just kind of uh, undercuts something I used to really enjoy doing, which is having enormous long deep units to uh, protect really choppy characters. Uh, probably a good thing we can't do uh, some of the shenanigans that we used to get up to with that, like a whole, run whole front rank of vampires. But uh, yeah, I will wait to see it playing out before I uh, I cast my eventual uh, vote. But for, for now, slight not. Doesn't it have to do with, and I still don't claim to understand this, the opened and closed nature of a unit. If a unit is closed, it can be deeper. Um, but And you do get, I'm not sure if you get a rank bonus, but you definitely get a defensive bonus um, in the combat res phase if you have a closed, quote unquote, formation. Um, Am I getting that right or am I confusing my rules? Uh, look, I'm not entirely sure because it wasn't super well explained in the Almanac, I don't think. But they they basically said for to get a rank bonus in closed formation, from memory, you needed to be at least as wide as you okay. are deep. So okay. you're going to see units that are five by five, but you're not going to see those units that are like five wide, ten deep with the characters in the front. Uh, unless they're in like, um, and but this is another hot or not, and I'm going to throw it straight to to you, Brad. The marching column, so you get to tr like triple move if you are in a really deep formation. Yeah, but then you it does take a couple of or at least a turn to get out of that situation. So yes, if you want to move up and get where you want to go, look, I'm 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 tepid on this. Um, because it gives you some additional strategy to get where you want to go. Um, but you do then need to change formation to something that will be usable on the tabletop. Um, objectives are going to be a thing in this game. So getting to them is a big deal. Um, 
look, I don't know. Uh, again, I need to really read and push models around on the table um, once I've read the rules to really get this. Um, it's an interesting idea, and I like the option of having additional choices as a player. It opens up strategy, and as you said, Nick, um, it really does um, bring more to the game when you have more choices. But um, I'm not, I'm not sure. Also, I think, I'm going back. I think there's a there is an upside to this for the armies that were just painfully slow in fantasy, like. It probably doesn't make that much difference for elves or whatever, but dwarves, you know, playing against dwarves in fantasy with their piddly three-inch movements, they just literally were never going to get to you if you wanted to not get them to get to you. And so this way they can at least, you know, get a decent chunk up the board. Um, so I think there is an advantage to that in terms of allowing slower armies just have more interactive play. Yeah, and it gives them the option, right? Like, I think the base rule is you can't charge or get a rank bonus in a marching column, but, like, they can bring in units that are, like, good at marching, right, and be like, well, this unit's used to marching around the tabletop, a dwarf unit or whatever, and give them the ability to charge or have a rank bonus. So it'll be interesting to see what they do it. I like it. I'm hot for it because it's something new. It's something that it might not be good, and if it's not good, we won't use it. Players won't use it. But if it is good, you know, if it, if it adds to the game, then, hey, why not? I am excited that it helps dwarf players and by extension chaos dwarf players. So in that case, that was for you, Chris. Um, I can't. I'm wait. sorry, I don't understand the last bit of that sentence. I don't. I don't think chaos dwarves are one of the real armies. So they're one of the PDF armies. Uh, but uh, at Chris. least not one of the cores. I, I was going to ask: Do we know how many turns games are supposed to go for? Because... No, actually, I, I've just been assuming six, which is is what fantasy has always really been. But I know Age of Sigma was only five. Lord of the Rings goes for who knows how long, um, because some things like uh, marching over several turns to get across the board, uh, some of the ways that combat has changed makes it seem like games could plausibly take longer to play out. So if the execution of that is fairly quick, maybe it's not just it doesn't just need to be a six turn every every game sort of setup and we could have longer games a bit more maneuvering uh combats that grind out and are a bit more dynamic over time uh be interesting yep. to hear no, that's... how that goes the debate about point. how big the boards are affect that as well because if it's a smaller board uh you'll be in each other's faces faster so yeah, true, i mean true. i know a lot because of people they... say it's probably going to be six by four but there are people saying it will be on the new games workshop standard sizes so who knows? yeah that is interesting i hadn't really considered that because all my mats are still six by fours and that's that's just maybe i just think that because that's what i want it to be but uh chris charges 2d6 pick the highest plus your movement characteristic so uh, not a whole d6 slower but the best part of a d6 slower i will i'll give a qualified hot for some of the same things that we were just talking about with march options to get closer to people possibly a smaller board uh having the lower charge range may not be as much of a problem as it might seem initially but i think also once we start layering special rules and magic items and spells and things over the top of that i suspect we'll see a lot of change within that pretty quickly uh lots of 3d6 pick two or uh you know take both dice or just raw bonuses and so on i think there'll be a lot of ways to use the additional rules to uh kind of uh, give a lot more movement options or charging options beyond that kind of core 
slightly slower charge than we're used to. I think especially if they get rid of some of the shenanigans that existed in previous editions to stop charges in kind of janky ways, the loss of movement won't be as big. You know, the the, the double eagle fleeing, the but like some of the things that were good mechanisms in 8th in edition, I think if that's not there, the lower distance won't matter as much. Yeah, absolutely. Something that uh, is a big departure from previous editions, and in fact, from all previous editions. Now, I think this might be a rule from Warhammer historicals, the actual historicals, but I could be wrong. Countercharge is now a rule. So, Dave, hot or not on countercharge? I think it's good. I think it's good. Again, you know, you've, 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 they've got given a few more different kinds of things you can do with your turn in the new edition with the the same with the one where if you, you don't shoot or march, you can get an additional movement, that kind of thing. I think these are these are positive things that counter charge. I think it's it's another point of interaction. Um, it wasn't always like this, but you know, sometimes Warhammer did feel a bit like go play your turn, I'll see you in the combat phase. Um, and this can can give you a bit more more response. So yeah, into it. Dave, is this anything like what you see in the Horus Heresy? Because there's reactions in that game, which was something that, you know, did the same thing, which allowed players to interact in the other person's turn. I didn't think it was quite as fleshed out as that. Um, no, nah, it, it's, it's, and this is a new one. They, they've only clarified this literally today in the, the battle report that came out. So they'd alluded to it in one of the previous uh, Almanac articles. But and so I was already like, oh, what's this? What's this going to be? Now, what it the what the way it reads in this battle report is, I think it said, if a unit charges you from at least uh, from further than their movement distance away, so for an infantry unit, that's going to be like further than five inches away. If you've got the counter charge ability, you can, after all the charges have been declared, you choose who you want to counter charge against. You pivot your unit to face them directly. And I think you kind of move a little bit forward and then they move most of the way forward. And then you both, both units count as charging. Which is so big for the initiative because you're, you massive gain initiative, initiative for how far you've charged. Yeah. And massive for just cavalry in general, right? Like they're getting in their lances in when they charge in their turn, but they're now also getting their lances a lot of the time against infantry in their own, in, in their opponent's turn as well. Which and does think, really cut down on the feel badsies of being charged when you have cavalry um, and watching the little peasants come and get you when you're standing there going, I could have easily made up the distance here. I'm just standing here watching you charge me. It makes much more sense from a narrative standpoint. It'll definitely be interesting to see how widespread that rule is. It's also a good illustration of how... Uh, changing changes to some rules from what we're used to from old editions uh only makes sense in the context of changes of others so where we say you know this counter charge thing's a bit odd but it interacts with the way that initiative and striking order changes as well uh it can make it really difficult to evaluate things but also shows hopefully uh, this is a good illustration of how the pieces will all come together uh in a positive way and that's why these are the hot takes right because next week this could be all irrelevant when we get the rules and you know, context is important, would you believe? But all we have to rely on here is our experience and our knowledge of the previous games. And so we're going to make snap judgments based on that, I think. Sticking with the combat phase, Brad, 
hot or not, the whole front rank of a unit being able to attack. Now, can you elaborate on that? Because I did skim the combat episode, or sorry, Almanac, but I'm not 100% sure. So the entire front row always gets to attack. Um, so you can't do a cute Dave of War, kill everyone in the front rank, and no one can attack back kind of situation? You, you can no, do that. But you the, the, if, you, if your unit is wider than the enemy, they are assumed to have lapped around, and so everyone in the front rank gets to fight, even if the unit they're fighting is smaller than them. But you still can kill the front rank out, and they won't get to strike you back, is my understanding of how it works. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, I like that. I like that it doesn't just feel like the guys off to the side are a blade of wounds, and it does give you a reason to go wider. Um, although, I guess it will get a little interesting when you start having multiple charges happening at the same time. I, I'm, I'm excited to see the fine print on that. I like it. it sounds fun. Yeah, it's a tentative one for me because they, as someone said, what if you just put your unit 50 wide and don't move it? And then you just get 50 guys attacking every turn. But, I mean, you could kind of do that in 8th edition with big hordes of dudes. And it's like, I think it's it's considered like a, an 8th style supporting attack. I think they've kind of put a, bla a blanket rule that if you're not in base contact with something, you only ever get one attack. So that, that might be a limiting factor. Dave, I'll um, throw straight back to you because you brought it up already. Uh, they've taken out the step-up rule by the look of it. This is sort of breaking from the... Um, from the battle report, hot or not, no step up. It's a six head rule to not have it, and it's an eighth head rule that had it in there. What do you reckon? I, I want to see how it plays. I've played both editions, I think, because I started in like fifth. So I've played editions that had no step up and ones that did. And in sixth and seventh, you know, the, the, the fast have unit charging in, obliterating the front rank, and just not being able to respond did feel a bit brutal, but there might be other things here like wider ranks getting to respond that even that evens that out. I think also the changes to initiative might play in here that I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit. I, I'm apprehensive about it, I think, because it, 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 I just do remember these like Black Knight buses charging in and just being unassailable when they cleared out their front rank um, and that being not a super interactive and fun experience. I, I have exactly the same reservation in that I remember it not being good uh, or not being a fun part of the game previously where you just, you know, five models at the front get killed so no one in the unit can attack. But the fact that units are not going to be fleeing as much, off the uh, not breaking fully from combat as much as they used to, which may or may not be something we come to later. Uh, but I think that will give us a bit more of a, a like a kind of counterbalance against that. Sure, you don't get to fight now, but at least you're not fully breaking. You're just falling back and can then charge back into the fray in your turn. So I, I'm hopeful that it will be at least better than when that rule has been absent in the past. And uh, we'll see exactly how it plays out once we get our hands on some rules and some toys. Chris, you've read my mind, or you've read the running sheet, which I didn't send to you, but... Somehow you guys have clearly got your hands on it because uh, you're literally stepping me through it. The next two I have on the run sheet is hot or not. First one I'll throw to Brad. Using initiative to calculate who strikes first, hot or not, even when charging. Yeah, I'm curious to see what some of the universal special rules do. Um, what I'm hot for initiative, 
Um, I do know there's an initiative bonus when you charge, which I like a lot. Um, so it's not just does the charging person get initiative. I like that it is based on initiative and the initiative bonus plays in. So there is granularity in that. I like that a lot. Um, I really hope to Christ we don't get always strikes first back because I'm so tired of that rule that that made me so angry and it like just thinking about it makes me twitch. Um, I hope that um, I hope that it does work out as well as it sounds because I'm a big fan of this. I am yeah. hoping with this yeah, that they use a wider range of initiatives for units as part of this because you've got up to a plus three bonus, I think, for charges um, mm -hmm. to your initiative. And then if you if you if they have rules like minus two initiative for great weapons rather than just you strike last, there could be quite a fun and interesting granularity of interaction there. Whereas I think in previous editions, initiative felt very black and white, like the elves are gonna strike first and Nick's 40 white lions are gonna obliterate you. So you you just avoid them for the whole game and try and shoot them. Um, whereas if they've got a bit more of a spread and, and more ways to interact with that initiative, that could be pretty fun. I agree yeah. with having you're gonna more have ways. Like, you're going to have, sorry, I'll go. Uh, you're going to have, shut up, Chris. You're going to have a like initiative meta kind of thing, right? If you do have those modifiers, because you're going to have to go into games thinking, uh, you know, I'm going to take sword masters of the whole earth or whatever, or white lions with their gray weapons. And like, these are lightly armored pretty soft troops so if if they're not striking first they're potentially not striking at all so you're gonna have to know what kind of initiatives to expect um before you know before you go into the game it's gonna have to be something you think of in that in that army building because it's gonna make the difference as to which units are good and which units aren't aren't as good um you both alluded to always strikes first and and i agree what a terrible what a terrible rule particularly in when it was so widespread in eighth edition with every elf getting it i think it doesn't exist i think it's gone so what i liked well, i'm gonna say it's hot but i'm gonna ask chris they've mentioned stomp attacks are at initiative one and chariot impact hits are at initiative 10 which kind of tells me there's no more no more asf so Let's assume no more always strikes first. Hot or not, Chris? Uh, hot. Also, no more always strikes last by the looks of things. And as Dave was saying, more interaction with uh, with great weapons. Uh, for example, you don't necessarily go last. You'll just go a bit slower. I, I'm a little worried about some situations that might crop up where the difference in initiative might just be so much that you know, an initiative six elf is just always striking first against initiative two orcs there's just if there's nothing the orcs can do to strike first you can just never charge the sword masters because it'll always blend your front rank out before you get a chance to strike so waiting to see what the uh what the actual numbers and how it all plays out are uh there's again the potential for some feel bad situations but i'm hopeful that we are given the tools to avoid that whether that's with weapon choices or maneuvering or spells uh, that no, will have ways to uh, mess with it. Play better, play better, and six six dice the foot of Gork. No more Swordmasters. Not even a problem. Do we even have foot of Gork, though? Well, that's a question. That is, uh, surely we even six dice surely, surely we keep foot of Gork. The, well, we're definitely not uh, six dicing things because there's a new magic system. So, Dave, hold on, not the new magic system. 
on how like how they cast spells on like 2d6 and yeah remind me it's, it's like there's just a set value that you have to meet on 2d6 and then your wizards can the opposing wizard can try and dispel like once a turn right yeah but you get to, you get to add your wizard level to the cast yeah, yeah so it's yeah, 2d6 yeah. plus your wizard level i think it's sound i mean this was this is basically what the previous edition of 40k's magic was like except they didn't have the wizard level adding normally I think it's fine. I think I am probably going to miss the metagame of magic dice a bit, you know, of playing around, trying to bait out stuff with the magic dice and saving up for the different things. But that was, it was bad for the way the game played in terms of how magic worked in 8th edition. You know, the, the, the mega spells and all those sorts of things. I enjoyed it, but the, it, me just dwellers in people from the back of the board with my wood elf mage that was running backwards every turn um yeah it wasn't good so it might be good i, I think it does seem a little less flavorful though to me Dwell, dwells yeah. was so fun we named a podcast after it so um and th there's also a, a potential for you can just overwhelm people with numbers of mages so if you have five wizards and they've got souped up big wizard uh he can still if he can still only uh try to stop one spell, uh, then that potentially says, yeah, just take lots of copies of the same generic thing and just bully it through, which, yeah, m may or may not be fun. I know I love playing that way. Uh, other people, maybe not so much, though. My Zinch Demons never did that, Chris. What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, that's I, just I Warhammer. Overwhelming someone with a ridiculous magic phase is just a, a staple of Warhammer, right? You know, back from the 16, 16 17 power dice, Zench armies in 6th ed to, uh, you know, some of the some of the magic phases in, in 8th ed. Like, it's just, it's a constant. It's not Warhammer if you can't just blast your entire opponent off the table with magic, right? I do like that it seems that spells are still randomly selected. Um, yes. I think that's... That's really nice. Like I, I was a bit worried that you, you'd just choose the good ones, but then being random, I think that's that's sweet. I like they've they've kind of alluded to spell ranges being shorter. So you kind of I think they said you've got to put your mage out there in harm's way. And and looking at the spells that they've released, they're like 15 inch, 18 inch ranges, some 12 inches. There's there's not so much of that. Just sit back 30 inches away in your wood elf army, running away. You kind of got to get that spell spellcaster out there, right? You literally took the words out of my mouth. And the other thing that I love, and I know Games Workshop was always going to do it, but I love that we can get spell cards and put them on the table again. That just brings back the warm fuzzies. I'm all about it. Give it to me. I've spent four years playing Magic the Gathering, so I'm over it. I put spell cards on the table all the time. All right, Brad, Combined profiles for characters on monsters. We saw it in the end times, hot or not. Eh, on one hand, my immediate reaction is... This is a not. This is a not, I think. My immediate reaction was not. Because I, I liked having my monster sniped out and then walking around the place. Or, you know, the Chris Cousins, I seem to remember this happening to you several times, Chris, where the person riding the beast was killed and then the beast just rampaged around. Am I making that up? Like, that was a thing, right? Yeah. Yep, monster reaction checks. I absolutely, but that happened to you a lot from memory. <laughs> I love that. However, from a gameplay standpoint, yeah. It's probably better. But again, I got to read the rules. But I do really miss the 
the either the monster, you know, going on a kaiju snack of the opponent or your own army, um, or the hero having to walk around like a sad panda because their beautiful steed died. I kind of like that. I don't know. So it, that feels like Warhammer to me. No, I, absolutely. I, I agree with the nostalgia, but I think I, I'm pretty keen on on this change. It was always a bit weird that you know cavalry were a merged profile. You couldn't knock people off a horse, but you could knock them off a flying horse. Just a little bit weird, and this tidies things up, and also means that people are going to get to keep playing with their big centerpiece models for more of the game. You're not going to have to replace your giant dragon with a tiny person on foot because someone went 10 from the back with a cannon. It's definitely tidier, but yeah. I did kind of like just blowing blowing characters off dragons or dragons out from under characters and then being like, oh shit, do I have a model for this guy? Like, i got to run around on foot for the next five turns. No, no more magnetizing your riders onto weird palakins on the back of uh, dragons. Yeah. All right. Yeah, speaking yeah. about models, yeah, Chris, the you had a Tomb King army back in the day. What do you think about the new Tomb King models? Hold on, not. Not. Next Ooh. question. Now, um, I, I don't wow. think they're bad. I am just. I, I think that they are not as dynamic and. I, I don't know, kind of fun-looking as uh, both some of the new Bretonian models, but also what Games Workshop is doing in their other game systems. Like the the amount of dynamism and sort of interest that I find with even things like the Blood Bowl miniatures, uh, I think is ahead of where at least what I've seen so far of the Tomb Kings is at. But that might also just be an aesthetic choice. The kind of headdresses and static poses uh, might be just not quite the vibe that uh, the gels with me. So they've made models for like a mummy who's been in a casket for thousands of years, raised from the dead, wrapped up in bandages, his skin probably a little bit dry, and your complaint is that he hasn't been doing enough yoga and he's not uh, dynamic enough. The thing that you're missing there is that they're magic. A wizard did uh, it. Wizard. Like I said, <laughs> yeah, it may just be the, the choice of a portal. Uh, yeah, so I'm I, I'm loving a lot of what I've seen out of the other ranges, and the Tomb Kings is the one where I'm just not as enthused. Uh, so far, anyway. Nick, you were also a Tomb King player, as was I. But what is your opinion of the new Tomb King models? I'm a I'm a a tentative not, but almost for the opposite reason of of Chris is I actually really like how static the old models are and how like regal and just like blingy and 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 solid they are. And I probably liked the original Tomb King release more than I liked the eighth edition Tomb King release. And I probably like the eighth edition Tomb King release and therefore the previous one more than I like this this new one. I think they've kind of the, the like the dude holding the scroll is like he's cool, but it's just a little bit over the top. Like the scroll is literally running there. He's standing on this huge dynamic rock, and he's um, you know the scroll is is all the way down to the ground. It's for me, it's a little bit too over the top in that sense. Uh, I'm not a massive fan of the dragon, mostly because it's not a construct. It's like it's the whole point with with the tomb kings was that they're 
all their beasts and all their special things were, were constructed by the mortuary cult. So they're not just bone. Like the yeah, the horses are all bone because they've been they were um, entombed with the the warriors or whatever. But like the Yashabdi, the bone giant, the scorpions, they're all constructs made after everyone got risen back from the dead and their statues and stuff like that. The bone dragon is is literally a reanimated dragon, and the tomb Hughes just didn't really do that so much. So I would have liked to see the dragon. I, I don't I, I don't mind that it's a dragon. I think dragons are sick, but if it was kind of 80% dragon and then 20% more like the war sphinx with the you know the stonework and the metalwork and stuff like that 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 would be more the vibe for me uh so yeah it's a it's a it's a knot but like I don't hate them I don't hate the models by a long shot can it fly on those spindly wings with no flaps it's <laughs> a good always question. did it <laughs> uh Brad the new Bretonian models hold on up um yeah yeah they're cool um i end up spending a lot of time looking at the old models now i happen to love those models i had an army of them as well and i have a very warm fuzzy place and i feel like the new models fit the vibe um i feel like they fit the vibe better than the tomb king ones and i do like the tomb king ones but um I, I'm just happy all around with the Bretonians. Um, yeah. Hot. I, so I like the new models. I mean, I really, really like the Foot Knights. I think they're exceptional mm. models. And, you know, I can see them getting used a lot for other games as well with some head swaps too. And some of the old models, like the Battle Pilgrims and the Grail Reliquy, are just stone-cold classics and are fantastic. Other ones, like the Mounted Yeoman... Uh, they they're horrendous. Look, they look like a historical model from the mid nineties. You know, like the they're, face is all messed up. They're the made by the Perrys. What's wrong with you? The Perry models. And yeah, look, they, and they would do better in one of their historical ranges, to be honest. And the 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 Pegasus Knights as well. They look a bit like Fisher Price toys. And you know the horses on the actual Bretonian knights looks thick. Something's wrong with them. They've got COVID or something. So, hey, yeah, at least I, they don't have like skeletal bone tails like all these horses in the uh, <laughs> in the Tomb King old Tomb King models. Yeah, I don't know. I like the new ones. I I, I do think when they start releasing whole new armies you're rocking your Bretonian models, which I'm pretty sure they were all released for 6th edition, right? Yeah. You, yep. They're going to look rough as guts next to contemporary games workshop stuff. What I was going to say is, if as much as I like the new Bretonians, with the release of the old world, um, you know, I've been looking at games workshop stuff off and on throughout this whole time, but I missed that there was a Lizardman update. And looking at the new Lizardmen, holy Christ, are they gorgeous. Like, that is an army. Wow. So, like, Bretonians, yay. Lizardmen, holy shit, wow. Like, how can we get more of that? And I understand we're getting the updates for the, the I don't know, the, the armies that need some things um, in order to be able to field them because Games Workshop doesn't sell them anymore. 
Um, I get that. And the PDF lists are generally for the ones that, you know, they, they already, you can just walk into a store and buy a Skaven army right now. Um, and I have an army of those and they're amazing, but man, those new lizard men. Ooh, so good. And one of the things for me looking at like where to start with an old world army has been looking at which ranges have some crossover from other arms of games workshop. Yeah. Uh, so I'm super excited to be porting where it, where it makes sense. Some of the, the orcs and goblins, the slaves to darkness, the lizard men uh, from age of Sigma into, uh, into the old world, because the model technology, uh, the kind of cool stuff that's been done has shot up since, especially with like sixth edition models, you know, we're talking, they must be at least older than people who can now drink and drive. So, uh, just to put older than Lofty Mog's Cakey for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so there's really cool models that are Games Workshop official in other parts of the range. Warcry models as well. Lots of cool stuff mm -hmm. that we can bring in. And I think that if you put all of the pieces together, uh, some armies have huge, incredible ranges to draw on. Others more limited. I think, yeah, Bretonians is one of those. Uh, but I think the new releases do help to uh, to make up for some of that. And also, special shout out to the uh, the painting team. Uh, I think the move to a uniform Bretonian paint scheme looks so cool, and I'm a, a massive fan of that. I think this the current like studio army looks super hot for the Bretonians. If I can add on to what Chris said, I actually I was saying I have all of these painted armies. I'm not going to buy any more models. And then I That's went and lie. bought some more models because I'm yeah, not done. I went out and bought a box of the new Chaos Warriors. And oh my God, they're expensive. But wow, are they good. And yeah. um, what's really good, though, is they're nicely matched to the previous 6th Ed versions. Yes. But the 6th Ed ones were hideously static. And I couldn't stand them. Yeah, exactly. Never seen a bunch of more uptight dudes ever. And I went to an all-boys private school at points. I'm just saying. So for these guys, for the new ones, to be able to put them as the front rank in a couple of units of Chaos Warriors is amazing. All of a sudden, a unit that I already have is brought to life in a really cool and interesting way, and they match. So, yeah, so excited. The, the new models, so hot. Just, Jesus Christ, those prices, so not. Anyway, Nick, sorry. <laughs> All right, uh, cognizant of the fact that we lose the egg uh, in a few moments. So I'm going to skip a little bit forward to the next uh, finalized final segment of the day. Before we finish things up, um, and Chris, I'll get you to address us on this. And then I've got a couple more hot or nots that I want to do with the other guys. But what are you looking forward to finding out next week? Because there's a lot of stuff we don't know. There's a few things we know. We've had things teased. What, what do we not know that you're looking forward to finding out when the rules drop? how many days we'll be stuck in the waiting queue before we have access to the Games Workshop website. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to that. Uh, that was the joke answer. A, a more serious website-related one. I'm really interested to find out when we're going to see more of the old kits released for the other core units. So when we're going to see you know, the Orcs and Goblins, the High Elf old plastic boxes that we've been told they're going to be kind of available. Uh, I'm really keen to see if we're going to get access to that early or if you're not doing Bretonians and Tomb Kings, if you're going to have to wait potentially quite a while before you can purchase the, the things that you want to be playing with. Beautiful. 
All right, well, we might leave you there. I know you've got to go. You've got important things to do. But uh, thank you for joining I'll, us. I'll get on cracking. This episode, you can get cracking, and we'll hopefully see you uh, again shortly. Always a pleasure, team. All the best, and see you next time. All right. Dave War, you're a learned man. Back to the hot or not briefly. Ravening Hordes and Forces of Fantasy and the Arcane Journals. Hot or not? Because this is a big topic. I think it's very hot. I just think it's a bunch of bloody grumpy grognards on the internet complaining about <laughs> yes. DLC on day one, stupid rubbish. I think it's excellent. Well, would, I, but, would I have to carry three books to the table? Like as if there weren't I mean, 16 army books in 8th edition. I also, I play Necromunda a lot, and and you legitimately have to sometimes carry like eight books to play. It, it, that is ridiculous. So I think the Ravening Hordes and Force of Fantasy, really good way to start off. Um, they're not doing all the armies in them, but I mean, a few of the PDFs. And then I think the optional additions is a great way where they can add to an army without having to have a full re-release of all of the unit rules and a full refresh. They want to do a campaign, you know, there's a new formation rule for, you know, the Strigoi specific vampires or something like that. I think that's excellent. Um, I'm not upset about having to pay more for optional additional ways to play the army. And the best thing about 6th edition Warhammer Fantasy was the different formation versions that you got to play at the end yeah. of the books, you know, like the, mm -hmm. the Sylvanian vampire county. Like, it was so fun. And I, I can't wait to see what they do with that as well it also gives me hope that we'll start seeing possible alternate army lists perhaps in white dwarf like we used to see way back when uh sixth ed there were so many different additional army lists that you could use to play you know and as nick mentioned like a campaign book another one that would be one or maybe you did that dave um it would be wonderful to see another like storm of chaos book where there's a bunch of additional army lists in it you know, most of the army list is in the parent book, like before, but a couple new units, you know, a couple of different force organization rearranges to make things different. But those make listing interesting, you know, fresh. It just, it's a really easy way to freshen up and get players excited about playing that army again. And if we're going to see that with this edition, I'm all about it. So hot. Yeah, like I'm super hot for this because, and it's a, it's a really elegant way of getting the rules out there for the main armies day one, because it I mean it's a full it's a full game reboot right, and they wouldn't have there's no way they could have just released two armies and then you know gradually done it like they used to do. They had to do a day one big drop of the rules and we're going to have the PDFs, but we're also going to have these Ravening Hordes and Forces of Fantasy books. And then they can add sort of that extra stuff around them that makes Warhammer so good because Kings of War, that's exactly what Kings of War does. They, they release the edition with all the rules for all the armies. So you can play all the armies straight off the bat and then they, they kind of every year they do a bit of a review of it and change things up a little bit, but that the armies then kind of miss that that depth a little bit. Now I'm probably slagging off Kings of War. Haven't played it in a few years, but it's a hot take, right? The the ability now with these arcane journals, which are priced cheaper, they're half the price of the the other books to just supplement and add cool lists and stuff like that. Like, great. 
absolutely great. I saw some stupid comment today. I was like, oh, we used to get all these rules for free and White Dwarf and all these supplementary rules. And I mean, they, were, they weren't free. You had to pay for White Dwarf every every week. Like, you're just getting your White Dwarf articles in one soft cover book like, and themed to the, the force you want. Great. Awesome. Love it. So, you know, and that's not just that. And it's also a good way with these coming out. Not only are you getting the army list, not only are you getting, you know, um, additional, I don't know, pictures and whatever else, but it's another way of fleshing out the old world. Yeah. As we get further down the track, and if they start introducing newer armies, for example, I don't know, Cathay, um, that would be an excellent way narratively to start tying in if they start dropping references. And that's one of the things I'm really looking forward to with these books. Am I going to play Tomb Kings? No. Am I going to play Bretonians? Probably not. I've already played both. And I have lots of other armies. But I'm going to read those books cover to cover, looking for references for Chaos Dwarves and for other new races. So, you know, I'm excited about the narrative aspect of this as well. And man, how good is it going to be to open a book that says Warhammer on it and get back into the old world and to not have a ticking time bomb attached to that wonderful fluff. I also think there's a decent chance we might even get some free ones. Like the Specialist Game Studio releases yep. really excellent um, Battles of Legend or something like that for Horus Heresy that releases new units. They released free army lists as well for you know, the Demons of the Rune Storm and for the Cults Militias, they release Apocrypha Necromunda on the War Comms, which has free rules as well. I mean, we might not, but I think the fact that they're selling some and therefore investing a bunch of studio time into it, to me, is a good thing. And that doesn't mean they can't do free stuff, and they do for other of the specialist games. So I think the sky yep. has not yet fallen on this one. No, absolutely not. And for me, it comes down to... Like Games Workshop make cool miniatures and they make lovely miniatures, but a lot of people make lovely miniatures these days. 3D prints, you know, this the, the variety is is amazing. But what Workshop have always done so well is their rule books and their army books. They're beautiful, like the physical copies of the books. They're they're great fun to sit down and read. They're well well edited, they're well put together. The rules sometimes are awful, but the actual book, the physical book itself. And this is coming from like, I don't read physical books. I have a Kindle. I read all my books on the Kindle, but I still buy Warhammer physical army books and physical rule books because I just like them so much. And I've never known someone who doesn't want to buy books and has had to buy books to play the game. People find a way to get them. So yes. th yeah. th this is, you know, let's let's not pretend here that these people are going to be unable to access the rules if they really want to, um, but I'm going to be buying them. I've still got my Tamakan and my 8th edition, limited edition rule book up on the shelf and, you know, I'm there. Yeah, I've got my shelf just over there with a few other books on it. Yeah. Yeah, yes. I mean, let's be real. And But, hey, if you want to pay for them and want them electronically, they're actually releasing them as an EPUB now. So, I mean, yes, a PDF would be nice, but, you know. Can't look a gift to us in the mouth. We're getting EPUBs out of Games Workshop. It's it's a it's a step into the twenty first century. 
Can I throw a possible little bit of uh, kerosene on that? There is the possible rumor that uh, in Australia, Japan, and other parts of the world, we might be getting the books a little bit later than the rest of the world. So the EPUB might be might be real sexy on release day. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where that goes because it's now Thursday night. So it's it's Thursday night. Release day is Saturday afternoon, local time here in Australia. So we're not yeah. far out and we haven't been told anything about a delayed release. It, it certainly has been happening with some miniatures down in this part of the world, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's uh, at least if we want the rules, we can grab that EPUB. I'm, I'm luckily an hour's train ride from Warhammer World, so we don't have these supply issues in the old world. Have you seen they've closed some of the exhibits and so they're presumably going to release some more sick dioramas? Yeah. I'm so jealous. I love Warhammer World. Yeah, it's great. It's great. All right. Well, that pretty much covers the stuff I wanted to throw at you guys. Some hot takes in there. You've couched your opinions a little bit, which... You've all mellowed in your age. It happens. Mellowed Before we finish so up. I have a, <laughs> well, yeah, that's probably. I have a question for you, Nick, and for Dave. I'm going to throw a question back at you guys. It's not hot or not, but it is where are you going to go with this? I know we haven't seen the rules. I know we have limited understanding of what the game is going to be, given we've read some articles and we've listened to some podcasts and we've partially looked at pictures from a battle report. Dave actually watched it because it's behind a paywall. But my question is this. Just right now, what do you think you are going to be playing on release day or coming out of that? Do you know yet? Are you keeping the cards close and trying to figure out what you're going to do, because I'm all in on Chaos Warriors. I am so excited to pull out my old Chaos Warrior army, paint some new Chaos Warriors to stick in it, update the highlights on my Marauders, get some more chariots on the go. Like, it's just, I'm so excited for that. How about you guys? Nick? Um, yeah, interesting question, and I've not really considered it in – in a way, because I've been so excited to to get my hands on the rules and to read the rules, I haven't even thought past like the fact that I'll be opening a book and reading it. Um, probably Beastmen or Tomb Kings. Um, I did a Beastman, a sixth edition Beastman army up, which is for half painted, uh, and that was from three four years ago. So that will hopefully um, translate relatively well. Um, if not, uh, I have lots of Tomb King stuff, although not a great deal of infantry, um, but I have a 3D printer and Tomb King's something you can kind of print and print and paint up pretty quickly, um, to get them on the table. So yeah, probably Tomb Kings, uh, or Beastman. Nice. Dave? I don't, I'm not sure. I really want to see the rules. So I, I would love to play my empire, but my empire were a really weird skew list that had the Grand Theogenist, so I just used Flagellants as my core, and I'm suspecting that's not going to fly in the new one. And looking at the army lists we've seen so far, you you have hardcore requirements, like for Bretonians, you have to take one peasant unit, you have to take one knight unit. Um, so I think my empire might not be playable at the start. My wood elves... I would be keen to play them, keen to see what they do with their rules, although I'm a bit worried that they will be a negative play experience from all the people I'm trying to get into 
Warhammer Fantasy over here and Wood Elves were never... I mean, I think I wrecked a few people's hobby with them, to be honest. Um, so it likely will end up being my Ogres because they're the most filled out force. But I really want the, the, the Witch Hunter Empire army. I also, because I converted every model in that army. Yeah, that really happy sweet. with them. Yeah. And then haven't played lots of them, so I'd really keen to get them out. Nice. Um, All right. Well, oh, Brad again. Go on. One last question. Now, Dave mentioned it, and I did want to – I was surprised you didn't ask, and you probably didn't – we probably ran out of time, and I'm probably dragging it out. So, Nick, I'm sorry. But one of the most exciting things for me from what I've read for this edition is the reintroduction of the restrictions on how you have to list to create an army because I kind of felt like 8th edition and some of the – well, Age of Sigmar in particular is – Take whatever you want, put it on the table. Yep. And that's great and all until you end up playing five bloodthirsters. Um, I'm really excited to see that we are getting armies that look like armies again on the tabletop. Now, yes, that means I'm going to have to paint some stuff to make some of my existing armies work. But this, in my opinion, is one of the hottest things I've heard about the old world. And yes, the alternative list will give us different ways to list. But I'm unbelievably hot about this. Um, Dave, I'm going to go around the horn the other way. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's good. I think forcing people to play with armies that look like armies is a pretty key thing for fantasy. Um, I, I actually quite enjoy AOS allowing you to do really weird lists, but I think for fantasy it's a good thing. But, it, but it, again, it probably means I'm going to have to paint 60 state troopers um, before my empire gets on the table. Yeah, it's a bit of a barrier to entry, right? You are right, though, Brad. It was on my list, and I did skip it. Um, I have it here. Army building percentages, but still using the 0 to X for some stuff. So, like, 0 to 1 per 1,000 points. That's cool. I like that. It's not something I want to talk about, but I'm going to mention it. I was having a chat with uh, Rufio from the Square Bast podcast uh, the other day about how it used to, how things used to work in, in sort of tournaments in, in fantasy It'll be interesting to see if comp is a thing and like army restrictions mm -hmm. and externally community-based army restrictions is a thing or if this game has been sufficiently tested to the point where we don't need that because that would be great. And the best thing about playing Age of Sigmar and playing other games like Magic the Gathering or X-Wing is you, you just read the rules and they tell you what you can take. Like you don't have to, you don't have to bother with a Swedish comp or mm -hmm. peer panel comp applied every round or etc comp or just england comp where you could just basically take whatever you want and hopefully that balancing is done within those percentages and with those odx you know i think it was one trebuchet per thousand points you know, hopefully there's enough limiting stuff in there but we'll see uh, but definitely I, definitely hot for it yeah i don't think comp will be a thing because i don't think the community's got it in them anymore you know like just speaking for myself Comp, we can't go it, back, surely. We can't go back. It was needed at the time. We can't go back. I don't think that means the game will be balanced. I play a bit of Horus Heresy, and it's it's a sh it's a shambles. It's a nightmare. You know, if people just rock up with like twelve Contemptor Dreadnoughts. You just pack your toys up and go home and call it a day. Um, so I think instead of comp, we need to be going narrative events, um, leaning into the fluffy side. This is also my softened sort of decrepit aged perspective on 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 competitive play, but I reckon that's the way the community will need to go because 
the specialist games, I again playing necromancer, playing other things. I wouldn't say tight, balanced, well organized listing is necessarily their track record. Yeah, what what this might have in its favour is. I know some of the guys who've been playtesting this and and we're looking at sort of experienced ETC players over in the UK from the 8th edition days that have been playing um, other game systems that start with ninth and end in age. So there's that that experienced playtest. I mean, there's always questions with Games Workshop games about how much influence do the playtesters actually have um, and that will remain to be seen. But yeah, hopefully we get a relatively stable rule set. But uh, like you, I'm quite cynical in thinking no, we won't, and it will be a bit of a basket case as far as army building goes. But, hey, I'm here for it. We're used to that. That's nothing new. All right, before we finish up, because we were trying to get these episodes smaller, and long-time listeners of the show will will know they tended to bloat out to the two, two-and-a-half-hour mark, so we're, we're trying to be a bit snappier now, a bit more modern, attention spans and all that. Uh Guys, what are you looking forward to finding out next week? Is there a rule or something that you're like, I love this, the way this worked in 8th edition or 6th edition. Is this going to make it into the final rules? Brad, what do you got? Man, I, I, I know there's an intelligent answer to this question, but I'm going to go for the lowest common denominator. I'm shooting low, and I'm going to go below it. All I want is base sizes. Give me the goddamn base sizes. How do we? How are we this close to release for a fantasy game where you're going to have to base how many models? Please, God. Tell someone in Games Workshop to put out that goddamn PDF before release day. Because imagine, imagine this game releases. We have not had an opportunity to play this game for 10-ish, well, a decade almost. All of a sudden, release day happens. We get our hands on the rules, EPUB or whatever else. And we go to play a game, and all of a sudden, you can't effing play it because none of your armies are on the right size bases. Now, I'm sure that we're going to do it anyway, and we'll jury-rig it, but you shouldn't have to. Sorry, that's my soapbox, and I'm going to get off it now. But I want base sizes, and I want them like two weeks ago because I need to rebase my shit. Anyway, so Absolutely. And look, I know why they didn't do it. They didn't release it early because they didn't want people just printing loads of models prior to release date and have, putting them on bases. But it turns out people can print shit without putting it on a base and then you can print the base and then you just glue them together. Yep. But hey, the worst part is they said they were going to release the base size chart and, t- and tell everyone what the base size would be. And then they just didn't, which is classic Warhammer communication. Like, yes, they've been better, but they're far from perfect. Dave, what are you looking um, forward to? I am looking forward to having my heart broken because I really want to see how permissive they are with stuff that is out in AOS armies that are in Warhammer for whether you can use it. So this is not lots of armies, right, because most of them have been really separated. But one of the things that I found, I guess, challenging or more frustrating with the current state in Horus Heresy in 40K is that they're really working to separate the ranges as much as possible. You know, that you can't use Imperial Guard vehicles, for example. You have to go buy a a Necromunda vehicle because that's a separate range. So I am a little apprehensive that they're going to try and make lots of distinctions about what you can use based on what's in 
Um, so, for example, the Skaven units that came out for the end times, are they going to say, well, they're not around yet because they're actually in Age of Sigma, so you can't use those ones. Um, new units that have come out for the Soulblight Grave Lords look awesome. I hope they take a more generous approach to it, but I am worried that they will not. Um, so that, I really want to see that. I'd really love to see... Obviously, I'm not I'm not expecting fire slayers to turn up or anything like that. But some of the lizardman units that have come out for Seraphon, yeah, some of the yeah. Soulblight units that have come out, some of the Warriors of Chaos stuff. Um, I would you know love to see a way for you to use those exceptional Warcry Warbrow bands as Marauders, things like that. It's a super good answer. That's yeah, not where I was thinking, but absolutely yeah, a really good point. For me, my question's pretty simple. I want to know, is the Dwellers Below going to be in the rule set? It's got to be, right? Come on. It's an iconic. It's an iconic spell. We even named a podcast after it. It's got to be in there. Fingers crossed. Come on. Come on, Dwellers. Six dice. Six dice, Dwellers. (laughs) Can't six dice it. Can't six dice it. All right. Well, listeners, if you've stuck with us this long... Thank you, because it's been great to be back. I love chatting Warhammer with my mates. That's the best thing about this. The second best thing about this is is when we get some good feedback from the listeners and and or bad feedback, just any feedback, frankly. I just want to talk to people about Warhammer. So if you've got something that you want to know about and you're looking forward to finding out, whack it in the comments. You know, let us know. Chuck a sneaky prediction in there. What do you think is going to happen next week? And let's see how wrong we can all be. I predict the Dwellers Blow will be in there and that you will be able to just dwell as people. But I've been wrong before. Happened once or twice. But if you think there's something that's going to be in there, you want to make a prediction or just let us know something you're looking forward to, chuck a comment in there in the YouTube comments. Smorgan is guaranteed that he's going to reply to every comment. So... Look out for that. And, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. Until next time, we've been the Dwellers Below. Uh, Don't don't buy your strength test. test.